welcome back, guys, to yet another episode of Proverbs and Parables, guys. Oh my goodness, Nick, you're insane. Bro, how are you? What's new? Dude, I'm so good. I'm so good. And it's been... It's been months. Since you were here since we recorded. So it's been since uh, uh, September? No, August. No, October. I don't remember. October. Okay, it was uh, November. No, it was not November. October. It was October. It's October. Yeah, so we haven't recorded since October, but guys, but uh, if you listen to the last episode, we finished up the few verses in James chapter one, which finally means we are moving on to James chapter two. But because it's been such a long time, let's just refresh up on how things are going. Nick, take it away. Yeah, man. I, you know, Michael and I were talking. We think it's a, it's a good, it's just a good practice to, especially when it's been. I mean, it's been a year, a year and a half since the first episode. That's true. That's insane. Yeah. Um, but it's been a long time since we <laughs> talked about uh, the, the author of the book of James, the context of the book of James. So we're going to do a quick refresher before we jump into the second chapter, because it's going to be particularly important today who James is talking to. So for those of you that don't know or don't remember, uh, the author of the book of James is a guy named, you guessed it, James. Judith. No, I'm just kidding. James. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Spoilers. Uh, James. Yeah. So James, the brother of Jesus. There are a lot of dudes named James in the New Testament. This James is the half brother of Jesus, and he is writing. He says in the, in the first sentence of chapter one, he's writing to his brother. So his, the the Jews who have been dispersed uh, all over the 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 world. So. Uh, you know, around the Jerusalem area and beyond that. So Jewish brothers who, you know, understand Jesus's teachings and for the most part know Jesus's teachings, agree with Jesus's teachings. And James uses the book to echo and kind of follow the same rough format as the Sermon on the Mount, you know, the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. So there's a lot of similarities between the Sermon on the Mount and the book of James as a whole. And today, uh, we'll get into that a little bit. But yeah, so James, the half-brother of Jesus, writing to Jewish people uh, and following the kind of rough format of the Sermon on the Mount. So today, we're going to be in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Uh, And Michael, you want to go ahead and read that for us? absolutely. All right, James chapter 2, 1 through 7. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or you stink, you sit at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? which he has promised to those who love him, but you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blasphemy the honorable name by which you were called? Bunch of questions. That's, there's a lot there. Yeah. There's a lot That's, there. Yeah. It's funny and because... just like we did... You go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's funny because, you know, this is seven verses. If we usually do podcasts, I'm usually like one or two verses, but I love this. So, Nick, what's... That's exactly what I was going to yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> it's like chapter one. We were like, we could do 10 verses. Let's do it. And then in that turned into a three-part. Yeah, that's so funny. All right. So, uh, James is writing to the Jews, the Jews of the new church. Um, 
And so why why is why is he saying this kind of stuff to Jews, to the people? Yeah. So it's it's clear. Well, obviously we weren't there, and we don't have accounts of what was happening in every Jewish church across the world. Though you know Paul's letters give us a pretty good idea of some of the big issues. Uh, you know, just by what James says and how he's addressing it, you know, we can infer that James is responding to uh, issue, you know, heart posture problems. You know, yeah. there's there's clearly people out there, and if this isn't act- actively happening, he's anticipating it happening, um, that are making distinctions amongst themselves. So they're, whether it's cultural, they're saying, well, since I'm a, a natural-born Jew and you're a Gentile, we receive Jesus differently, and, he, you know, he gets into that, Paul gets into that a lot with the circumcision. They're making distinctions based on culture, uh, potentially based on race, based on language. You speak Greek, I speak Hebrew, or, or I speak Aramaic. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, yeah, socioeconomic status. Well, you're really poor and I'm really rich, which is directly referenced here. And so James is a, he's using the example of economic status, but, you know, it's it's clear through the, you know, the rest of the chapter that we'll talk about over the next couple episodes that there is an issue of just distinctions, of judgments between each other. Actually... Uh, you know, it feels like months ago for us, but probably just an episode ago for you guys, we talked about making distinctions like with denominations, right? Yeah. So we're, we're actually kind of continuing that theme, which is kind of funny. But uh, so James is clearly trying to address, you know, we, the Jews are making distinctions amongst themselves that, that Jesus does not make, right? Mm-hmm. And it's always funny because like, I'm even just reminded right now, I think that it, the Jews have always had a problem with this kind of stuff. I mean, look at the Jews and the tax collectors who are also Jews and how the tax collectors were just extremely hated for what they did because they persecuted their own people or whatever. And so I think this is what James is exactly talking to. He's like, are not the rich ones who oppress you? Are not the rich ones the tax collectors who literally take money from you? And you're showing partiality and stuff. And so I I, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I, I have this yeah. written down. It's like, don't treat people different if they have different colored hair or piercings or tattoos or reek of B.O., <laughs> or if they're depressed right. or if they're anxious or if they're fat or thin or even if you know how they've been messing around in the club or something or if you know what they've been doing the night before the church or whatever like don't don't have a distinction between the two um right yeah yeah it's like and, and you know james is yeah that's the one of the beautiful things about scripture is like james is using a specific example to talk to a specific problem but the problem goes all the way up and down the spectrum right so it goes down to things as not insignificant, but things as minor as like, yeah, like uh, tattoos, piercings, haircuts, hair color, like things you choose to do with your appearance, all the way up to being spiritually in line with Christ versus spiritually out of line with Christ. And, you know, we can talk about that later. Uh, we probably won't, honestly, because that's a whole tangent. Don't have time, 45-minute conversation. But all that to say, like, it's not like he's talking. He it, What we want to make clear is like he's not only talking about the rich and the poor financially, right? So he's he's drawing attention to this heart issue of using cultural uh, standards to dictate someone's kingdom value, and which connects really well to chapter one when James talks about um, you know one of our favorite episodes to record was talking about your role in the kingdom of God versus the role your role in the kingdom of heaven or sorry God versus the world right kingdom of the world versus the kingdom yeah. of heaven so. And it's and it's an up that it's an upside down kind of kingdom, you know. Everything is backwards and flipped, and it's so hard to understand that even today. But it reminds me when I was also reading this passage, there was another translation that I read of the same passage that says, "My friends, don't let public opinion influence how we live our glorious lives." And that one was just like, whoa. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because I think because because the kingdom of God is so flipped on its side and flipped upside down, it's just like we I feel like naturally want the approval of other people, especially the culture, but um, we also desperately want the approval of God. And we want to please God and everything. And so I think when we deal with this, you know, it reminds me of that one time that Jesus is talking about, you can't serve two masters. In that passage, he was talking about money, but I think it goes for culture too. You can't serve the culture and you can't serve God. You have to serve one or the other. One or the other is going to have your whole heart. Right. And the other is going to have a portion of your heart. So Yeah. Well, yeah. and Jesus, I mean, Jesus goes so far as to say, it's, it's not even like a, well, you'll be split or you'll be double-minded like we talked about in chapter one. Like, Jesus says you will either, uh, you can't serve two because you will love one and hate the other. Like, it's like, if you choose to love God, you'll see the things around you in the world and you'll hate them. You'll hate the sin and the corruption. But if you love the world, you'll learn to hate God because you'll blame God for everything wrong in the world. So it's not like, right. well, I can kind of love the world and be selfish and I can kind of love God. Whether or not you realize it, you're going to hate one and love the other, you know? And I think this is a huge problem when it comes to families because I think, you know, it's obviously not good to have a favorite child. But I think as the parents grow relationships with their kids, they tend to have one more a little favorite. Like they tend to have a favorite over the other and that is really dan damaging to the family unit because um, it ultimately sets like the other child's up for, like, up for failure. It sets them up for failure. Yeah, so we got to live wholeheartedly for God. Yeah. We can't we can't be double hearted or anything. It kind of, it, it honestly reminds me of David and who he was, you know, he was just a guy after God's own heart. And so he just like lived his life courageously pursuing God. And he didn't care about the opinion or of like the fellow Israelites. And he didn't care about the opinion of um, the Philistines when he goes to fight Goliath. He says, I remember when, like, cause I just read this recently is when Goliath was taunting the Israelites. And then David's just like, Bro, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Like, he was just like, do you guys not know who we serve? And so then that goes on in the story where he just, like, completely kills David. I mean, kills Goliath and then sets Israel free from the Philistines and stuff. So, yeah. I don't know. David's a really good example of what it means not to be double-minded. Yeah. And so, you know, here in, in chapter 2, like we said, James is, He's using a specific example to address a bigger issue, a heart issue, a judgment issue, yeah. a spiritual issue. Um, but we also can't, you know, zoom out too much and forget the example he's giving because it's very important. So he's talking about right. the rich versus the poor. He said, when someone comes into your midst, if if they're dressed very well and they have a lot of money, don't treat them better than someone else. So if you look at, well, okay, why would they do that? Why does having money make you beneficial to the early church? And, you know, if you go back to like the first church, you go back to like Acts, the people who had a bunch of money are the people who were kind of perpetuating the work, right? So the, the disciples yeah. held all things in common, right? But so they pooled their money. But after that, when churches became individual, and obviously we can see this in church structure today, having a bunch of money and giving a bunch of money to the church makes you, you know, useful, you know, air quotes, because you guys can't, but Microsoft, you know, it makes yeah, you, yeah. it makes you more useful because your money will allow the church to do bigger things. And so clearly there's some issue here of churches, regardless of which one it is, or maybe it's several, rich people are coming to them and the, the pastors or the deacons or the parishioners are saying, oh, oh, you have a lot of money. Let's make sure you have a good experience here. Come, come and sit here. Come and sit here by me in the good place. Oh, and if you're poor, go, go sit by my feet. You know, go sit with the dogs, basically. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, go ahead. 
you know what it, it reminds me of like nowadays you know maybe it's not so much not money versus money but like for me i think it'd be like followers on instagram or subscribers on youtube versus millions of subscribers on youtube like if someone comes in and they have a cultural influence they have an influence over culture by the following that they've been given and you show them partiality that's like what james is talking about right here too it's just yeah so that's kind of like the little story i had yeah. but um or it's like it so why is go ahead, go ahead. yeah you go ahead okay i was gonna say so why why is partiality a sin though yeah like what what is it why is it a sin and then how can we kind of like get away from that mindset yeah so you know when you look at you know right before the episode we looked up you know the the word here that james is using because obviously the bible is not written in english it gets translated to partiality uh, but luckily you know this particular word actually keeps it um original meaning and context very well through translation it's literally mm -hmm. literally translated partiality or favoritism uh, it's a very narrow definition it's not like three paragraphs in the lexicon that we have to sit through like it means partiality or favoritism and favoritism might feel like a more accessible word to use here um j right. just because it's more people will understand the context of favoritism so like taking a trait that someone has and and showing them favor you know or favoritism showing them favor because of that thing. Now, in and of itself, favoritism is not an evil thing. Like so many traits and so many attitudes, uh, it's something that got warped by the fall. So favoritism, having favor for one thing over another, has now has the influence of the fall. So when we look at, you know, whenever you're trying to look at a behavior and you're trying to figure out if it's warped by the fall or not, look at, does Jesus exhibit it, right? Because obviously, something else we talked about just a few minutes ago is Jesus is the standard, right? Jesus is the qualified one, the Messiah, God incarnate. Like, so whenever you need to know, well, is this a good behavior or a bad behavior, sinful or not sinful, you can look at Jesus's life and find that out, right? So Jesus does not treat rich people better than poor people. In fact, in most cases, he says, oof, if you're rich, good luck. This is going to be a tough road. Like he talks to the rich young ruler. He says it would be easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And it, so it's, Jesus doesn't say, oh, because you're rich, you're better. And he also doesn't say, because you're rich, you're worse. He just says, because you're rich, this is what you can expect. So Jesus doesn't show favoritism based on economic class, so we shouldn't either. And that makes it, you know, problematic, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think it's a big sin, too, because it's very selfish. It's a very selfish mindset to show favoritism and partiality between two parties that um, should be treated the same. Um, uh, it, it's also a misinterpretation of the gospel and what God really was for and what Jesus actually talked about. Um, it, yeah, it's just crazy. We don't get to choose the people who come through our church doors. We don't get to choose the people that are in the faith. You know, there's going to be rich and poor alike. And so, um, yeah, I think it's very important to show honor and all that stuff. It, re it reminds me of Psalm 119, 119. I believe it's, uh, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Wow. And so it's just, that also reminds me of a passage in Matthew. I believe it's Matthew chapter seven, where it's like, do unto others as you would have done unto you, for this is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. So it's just like treat people with no partiality. Yeah, because you, yeah, and it's funny sometimes, like how, because we could talk all day about, you know, and use big theological words and, talk about exegesis and ideas and all these things but like the truth of this passage like it really is simple and that's why we love james so much it's like it's not complicated and like when you think about like when jesus talks about the golden rule you know treat others as you'd like to be treated and this is right after he's telling them 
the two great commandments. Like you don't want to be treated with partiality. Like you don't want to be treated one way or the other because of how much money you have or right. what you wear or what you do right. or who your family is. You want to be treated like you're made in the image of God, just like everybody else. So you should extend that courtesy. That's it. It's not like you have to have some complex revelation to know what James or Jesus are trying to say. Just don't yeah. show partiality. Like don't use worldly standards to dictate kingdom value. But obviously, yeah. Michael, like this is not a new concept where other than you mentioned Psalm 119, uh, you know, where else do we find this in scripture? Yeah. Uh, this is, so I'm just reminded of Proverbs, this the one Proverbs in Proverbs 23, one through four. It, and it says, I'll just read it. It's like, when you sit down and eat with a ruler, observe carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are given over to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are a deceptive food. Do not toil for, to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. 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 Yeah. So be discerning enough to desist. This reminds me, okay, so I, for the longest time, just didn't understand this passion. I'm like, dude, if a ruler invited you over to a house, why wouldn't you eat? Like, aren't we going to go to heaven and eat with Christ or whatever? And he's like the ruler. So I don't know. I didn't understand this this passage until actually recently when I read it and then I was reminded of a situation in my life where this guy I used to work for, he was practically almost like, he was a multi-million dollar, uh, multi-millionaire. And so like he would have his over for his house and you know, he would have the nicest food, the bougiest food, like super good, delicious food, like steak and pretty much all the good bougie food that you can think of, we had it at his house. And it was funny because he also opened a bottle of wine and later he realized that he opened the wrong bottle of wine and that bottle was like a $120 bottle of wine that he opened for his uh, employees of his business. Um, and see, here's the problem with that. So I was eating all their food, right? And I'm like, this is a nice lifestyle. I literally said to myself, oh, I could eat, I could get used to eating like this every day. And so what this passage is talking about is just like, you know, don't give, oh, like, don't give yourself over to the appetite and to the desire of his luxuries, like, because you can't afford it. And if you're going to live your whole entire life trying to work your butt off just so you can afford these luxuries, just so you can eat like a nice steak every day or drink nice wine every day, then like, what are you doing with your life? You got you to gotta be discerning enough to realize, okay, this is not the reason of life, the, like the reason and purpose for life is to like go and preach the gospel and like it I, I think we were given our lives for others we weren't given our lives for ourselves. it kind of reminds me of something my dad said the other day um, he said the fruits of the spirit are not for you christ the spirit gives us the fruit of the spirit for other people so that we could give them love we can give them patience we can give them kindness and so that was just like a crazy revelation it was just like whoa but anyways yeah, so when you show partiality, it, it it's a doorway to fleshly desires. Yeah. And once you show partiality and you get used to showing partiality, you're going to eventually want what the people that you're showing partiality to, which can really just throw you in for this loop and really set you on a path that is not on the path of the will of God. Yeah. Yep. And so this is this is why Jesus says that um be careful, you who are rich, for it is harder for you to enter the kingdom of heaven is because they just have all these luxuries. I mean, okay, yeah, you can go. That's pretty much all I said. Yeah, no, and the pro <laughs> this, is why, this is why this podcast, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't because, like, we talk about kind of what we're going to talk about and then we start talking and then Michael will say things. I'm like, oh, I have a lot of things to say about that that have nothing to do with what we're talking about. So for y'all's sake, yeah. well, I'm not going to say all that stuff, but I am going to say 
is you know when we when we were looking through you know where else is this idea in the bible and the idea that we shouldn't be using out like cultural standards worldly standards uh to dictate someone's value you know the story that just immediately comes to mind for me is in the book of judges which is one of my favorite books in the bible you know with with my students you know for the past you know three months almost three months we've been talking about judges and one of the craziest stories in the book of judges is the story of ehud uh, the the left handed Benjamite, and so in Ehud's story, you know, it, you know, super mega quick, super cliff notes of the Book of Judges. Israel's like, hey, we need a king, and God's like, big dumb babies, I am your king. You just don't understand. And they're like, no, 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 we want a king. We need to find have these judges, and so he gives them, you know, people to rule over them, kind of like a king, but not really. And so he gives them their first one, and he seems pretty great because he's a man from the tribe of Judah. And so Israel says, well, this guy is going to get it right because he's a man and he's from the tribe of Judah. That's everything he needs to be successful. By our standards, he will be the best judge ever. Turns out there were 11 more judges because that guy didn't get it right, right? After him. And he also died. And he also died. So, you know, it's kind of unfortunate. It's almost like we need a, a king or a prophet who, like, never dies or whatever. Huh, it's crazy. Any anyway, Jesus. Um, uh, all that to say, the next judge is Ehud. And so God's like, fine, if, if you're so wrapped up in your own standards for who is valuable and you're showing all this partiality towards the judges i'm gonna give you someone who you would think is completely unqualified he's still a man so israel's like well he's got that going for him but he's two things that israel's like no it's not gonna work he's left-handed and he's a benjamite so the benjamites like the tribe of benjamin was like the least among the tribes not because they were the smallest but because they screwed up a lot at the beginning of the book of judges and so everybody thought very lowly of the benjamites because they're like they're never going to get anything done nothing meaningful but then on top of that he's left-handed and for the jews you know to them what they thought that meant is he was either cursed for his own sin or for his parents sin um and we see that come back up in jesus ministry is like disabilities are somehow tied to the sin of your parents and generational sin or they thought that he was crippled you know because he's left-handed that would mean he'll never hold a sword he'll never be of any value in war and God says, well, I'm going to use him because you're so wrapped up in your partiality that you have no idea what's about to happen. And the end of that story, Ehud ends up murdering a king in his palace with a sword. Fat king. The big old fat king, king of Moab. Like, uh, I love that story. Um, Eglon. King Eglon. Eglon, king of Moab. Uh, Literally loses the sword in his gut. <laughs> yeah, and the whole sword goes in, the fat closes, he poops. It's cool. Anyway, read the story. Uh, Book of Judges. So, but all that to say, like, this is, Partiality is not new. Israel was doing it for thousands of years. We're still doing it. And now we're not looking at left-handed people and saying, oh, you're you're disabled. We're, we're like, Michael's left-handed. Let's see it. Um, Come on. <laughs> but we are, you know, now something that's easier to make distinctions about is money. And so this is a lesson, you know, in James that doesn't just stop being applicable after the apostolic age. Like, this is something yeah. that will never not be a problem because greed will never stop being a problem. And mm -hmm. so, you know, between psalms proverbs judges and i mean jesus's ministry is just full of warnings about making distinctions about money but um, as far as like our biblical examples if you don't believe it that it's not new just read through the bible and you'll find people getting messed up because they're they're assuming that money is the way to to success and like solomon like we won't even talk about it but like solomon's whole thing goes downhill he's the wisest king to ever live but it all goes downhill because he wants money so he marries someone he shouldn't marry and he goes down the wrong path because money is what was on his mind you know Right. I mean, yeah, just kind of going back to like the James versus like 
Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in their faith and theirs in the kingdom? I mean, we were just kind of talking about this before we started the recording. It's just, I had this thought this morning. It's just like, oh, you know, the reason why that the rich people blasphemy the honorable name by which we were called is because maybe they don't give it a second thought. Is maybe that if they have a problem, they just fix it with money instead of addressing God with it. What if, what if the problem that God put in your life was not a money problem, but it was a heart spiritual problem? Uh, it was a faith problem. Yeah. But you didn't see it as that, and so you just fix it with your money, not fixing what God was trying to fix as the heart. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't know. So I also, I also had this other thought this morning too. It's just like. What if the reason that you're still in poverty is because you, God doesn't have your heart yet? It's just like when you get rich, you kind of forget about God and money fixes all your problems instead of God fixing all your problems. So when you're in this state of God fixing all your problems and you're being like rich in your faith and you know that you're an heir of the kingdom, it doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or, or no money at all. It's just that that's that's what James really – and I think that's what Jesus wants too. You ever notice that like we spend our lives teaching – about Jesus and what he did, but we never really talk about the same message that Jesus taught. <laughs> yep. Which is like, repent of your sins for the kingdom of God is near. So God, like Jesus came down, flipped culture on its head to teach us how to be kingdom citizens. And so it's just like, when your riches is God, you know, Psalm 73 says, you are my portion in like, you you are truly what I desire. You are my portion of my heart forever. It's just like, when you truly seek God and he's your portion forever, then you become a kingdom citizen and you become unstoppable. Yeah. 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 And here, like, like we said at the beginning of the episode, like James is so clearly not just referencing, but assuming that his audience has heard the sermon on the Mount, whether from Jesus's own mouth or, or from someone who had written it down or, or passed it along. Uh, Because, you know, just his wording there. So like verse, uh, let's see, verse five, like, listen, my beloved brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love them. Does that right. sound familiar? Because it probably should, because it's in the Beatitudes. Like Matthew chapter five, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And James right. is directly referencing the Beatitudes to kind of like bring their minds back to, like Michael just said, like this is a heart problem. Your life circumstances and the like the fruit that your life is bearing are a direct result of your dependence on God. Now that's not to say if you trust God, you'll be rich, because that's the prosperity gospel, and we're not about that. Like being being like the fruit of the spirit is the only metric we can use to like determine faithfulness, right? So you can't use your gifts, your talents, your money, your life situation to as a metric for how faithful you are to God. How faithful you are to God and how much you trust God can only be judged by your fruit, your spiritual fruit from Galatians five. So like, yeah. yeah, like Michael said way at the beginning of the episode, like how how loving are you towards others? How patient are you with others? How right. how self controlled are you for the benefit of others? So that you can break down barriers and share the gospel like that's the point be fruitful right. so that you can share the gospel go and make disciples and make disciples and it's like it's like he's saying be fruitful and multiply exactly bro it's almost by give command to them and man i wish we had time to talk about that like because Jeez. jesus is the yeah. new adam and like oh my gosh anyway next episode not really um, Come on. <laughs> but yeah next so, series so james is like clearly referencing the Sermon on the Mount, and he expects you to know that, or if you don't know it, to read it like as you read right. this. Right. And so, yeah, so we're talking about the, the the poor in the world being rich in faith. Well, like, what does it mean, Michael, like to be rich in faith because you're poor in the world? Like, what does it look like? 
to take your financial circumstance and still be rich in faith? Like, what what does that mean? That's a very good question. Like, what does it mean to be rich, but then also, uh, I mean, I think it really comes down to just like the relationship with God. Is it? Um, you know, I even have this verse kind of pulled up right here. It's Galatians six twenty four. And it says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And so it's like, if you find yourself in Christ, it doesn't matter. Like if you're rich or poor or whatever, like if you, you, you find yourself in Christ, you find yourself at the feet of the king in the kingdom of God. And so you have to constantly s- surrender the passions of the flesh and then all those desires too. Yeah. And it's, it, it, to an extent, like we said, like James, like it's very plain he's very streamlined his like his messages are written in such a beautiful way because they're inspired by the spirit that yeah. they're you could read them and get the very simple truth of like don't judge people based on how much money they make and don't treat them differently because you want their money but like right. more than that like he's putting this puzzle together about the heart and its relation to greed like at the heart and money and how that is a barrier from a relationship with god so yeah. When you think about, you know, what does it mean to be poor in the world? Well, it means you don't have a lot of money. It means you don't have a nice house. It means you don't have four cars. It means you are literally poor. You don't have a lot of wealth. But that makes oh, yeah. you rich in spirit and rich in faith because when you don't have anything in the world, your only option is to turn to God. Right. And so if you are poor in the world and you're turning to God, the the, the opposite is often true. And it's why Jesus warns against the love of money, because if you're very rich, you don't think you need God. And right. that's why he tells the rich young ruler, like, it would be easier for you to, for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for you to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because you have so much money, you think you don't need me, right? Yeah. And then when we jump I mean, down. That's why, oh, go ahead, go ahead. that's why Matthew uh, 6.33, this is why Jesus said, but sir, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. He literally says, do not worry about acquiring wealth or anything like that or any public opinion or whatever. Like, don't acquire don't work to acquire any of that, but seek first the kingdom and all of it will be added to you. Right. Why? Because you're doing it in a righteous way. You're doing it the way that God wants you to do it. Yeah. And so I feel like when people actually do this, you know, we, you, God raises up leaders in this world who are able to be like, Hmm, well, God's blessed me with all such and such money. I'm just going to seek the kingdom of God and then like build a neighborhood and give it all away. Or just, I don't, I don't know. Like the possibilities are endless. And I think, our minds can only think of so like things to an extent to the point that God's dreams and plans for us are way bigger than we can even imagine. And it's just like crazy when we seek first the kingdom of God, God starts to reveal all these things to us. And I'm like, there's nothing on earth that there's not in heaven. In fact, there's more in heaven right now. Like in heaven probably has way better technology than we'll have in 10 years because it's just perfect and holy up there. And God's just like, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God so then I can reveal this to you so that you can live a kingdom life and bring and build the kingdom on earth. Right. So I don't know. I can go keep kind of talking about that whole time, but yeah. And like, as we come to like our last verse, you know, and kind of wrap it up, um, it, it, all of that brings clarity to verse seven. Because when I first read verse seven, I was like, kind of a weird thing to tack at the end. Like he says, yeah. are they, so he's talking about the rich. Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? Obviously, that's the name of Jesus. The name by which we are called is the name of Jesus, the name of God. So are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name? And I was like, I was thinking about, I mean, until literally a minute ago, I still was like, what is it like? Because we, the, we know there's blasphemy in scripture and we know people accuse Jesus of blasphemy. But, you know, the most, like, the most common, at least for the Jews, like if they would have understood, understood blasphemy, 
to like the, in the same way they accuse Jesus of it to blaspheme the name of God is to do one of two things. And Paul talks about one, but to, to do one of two things to either question or doubt, uh, the, well, to, to question and accuse the character and the identity of God. So when Jesus yeah. says, I am God, he's blaspheming to the Jews as from their perspective, because they're like, well, you can't be God. So you are blaspheming or, right. you know, Paul talks about grieving the Holy Spirit, which is also a kind of blasphemy too. And to grieve the Holy Spirit is to, to accredit the work of the spirit to the work of the devil. So to say something that is of God is actually of anything but God, because you're doubting the sovereignty and the power of God. So yeah. when James says, are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? There, he's saying, are they not the ones who said, well, if you just had more money, you wouldn't need your God. Or you're, you know, because they're coming from all these, you know, the rich people. It, we're, I mean, we don't want to put, put words in James' mouth or, or read things that aren't there. But I think we could easily expand this to people who, not just the rich, but the people who are uh, like the wealthy Greeks who are preaching this, this gospel of 12 gods. They're saying, well, yeah. okay, so if you're, you know, my God of money or my God of sex is making me wealthy in the world, filling my desires. So why would I need your God? Your God, your God has nothing to offer me. And they're, they're doubting the character of God and they're blaspheming the name. So James kind of wraps all this up with blasphemy, like this being rich and leaning into your fleshly desires, being selfish and viewing yourself as a, as a citizen of the world and not a citizen of heaven leads ultimately potentially to blasphemy, which is like a really big deal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm at the end of my notes. <laughs> um, so, but I all... mean, besides, besides, you know, the practical takeaway here right. is like, don't show partiality to anyone. Right. And I mean, like anyone. I mean, James talks about like showing partiality to people who walk into the assembly, walk into the church, right? But I think it, it applies to all aspects of our lives, like the people we work with. I mean, I don't know where he, the people listening to this podcast may work. They could work in fast food restaurants. They could work in corporate buildings or whatever. But, like, don't show partiality to anybody. Even to, like, the clients who come to the business and have like and do business with your business, like, don't show partiality to them either. Like, if someone were to park, like, say you own a restaurant, right? And someone, like, drove a Ferrari and was, like, very rich and bougie and everything, and he, like, ordered food from you. Don't treat that person any different from how you would treat a homeless person. Like, I guess it would be the other way around. It's like, don't treat a homeless person any different than you would treat like that really wealthy person that comes through or has influence or has fame or has money or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I personally on YouTube, unfortunately have seen too many hurt, like people being super harsh to like, um, homeless people. I saw this one video where this guy dumped freezing cold water on this homeless person when it was like 10 degrees outside. And he said, get away from my business and dumped water. And it was just, it was heartbreaking to see, like, that's how people are treating people. You know, that's how the image of God is treating the image of God. And so it's just, it's kind of, it's crazy. But yeah. treat people the same at school, treat people the same at work, at church, at the grocery stores where you get your coffee for the day. Um, yeah. 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 I totally agree. And it's like, yeah, my only, yeah, like, the takeaway, like, the application of it's like, how, okay, how do you live this? It's kind of what we, we mentioned as, like, the theological principles. Just don't use worldly standards to dictate the kingdom value of a person. You know, use yeah. use the fruit of the spirit to to judge to judge a person. And like, yeah. judgment is a, like judge is a really uh, like divisive word that you know we'll probably talk about. I'm sure James talked about it a lot. We'll talk about it again. But like, don't like don't make divisions among yourselves because people mm -hmm. are rich or people are the same color as you or people live the way you do or like the things you do. 
like understand that we're meant to be unified in Christ. Like understand like your, your kingdom identity has to come first and you should treat everyone else as if they're made in the image of the same God you are because they are, you know, right. It's like, it's not a preference thing. It's not a, well, you could do this. No, you should do this because it's the truth. We are created in the image of one God, same God, all the same. We have the same value to God. We have to have the same value to each other. Right. And when we do that, we have glorious lives, you know? So don't let, like, the public opinion influence the way you live your life. But, like, know what God says and know who God says you are. And, like, live a glorious life. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and to have it abundantly. And it's just, like, God has such an awesome life planned for you when you seek first the kingdom. And it's just, like, super awesome and super exciting. Um, Yeah. God's great. Dude. He's incredible. Amen. Come on. Yeah. Well, anyways... That's it. That's all we have for James chapter 2, 1 through 7. And uh, come back next week or maybe in a few weeks. <laughs> no, we got <laughs> maybe a few weeks. See, all wrong. To see what we'll have the next episode. But thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope you guys have an awesome day. Thanks for tuning in. See you. Good talk. Shalom. Come on. Come on. <laughs>